Hello, and welcome to the Igniting Consciousness Podcast, your place to be inspired and empowered to be the change you wish to see within yourself, your family, and the world around you. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Horine, a chiropractor, a 3-5 manifester that does human design readings, a magnetic alignment coach, a cleanse to ascend coach, and a natural wellness mama. My desire is to share all of my learnings in a way that will align you toward radiant health and wellness. I know that a vibrant life expression requires a healthy mind, body, and spirit, so it is also my goal to elevate your awareness and knowledge of how to properly tend to each of these. You'll receive wisdom through educational teachings and interviews about health, living a vitalistic lifestyle, conscious parenting, universal truths, spirituality, manifestation, and human design. My hope is that with these episodes, you can be empowered to take action towards your health and overall wellness, which will create an attractive vortex energy for others to do the same. If we all ignite our consciousness, we can remember how to be the super conscious creators that we already are. So let's get to it and be that change today. All right. Welcome back to Igniting Consciousness Podcast. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode as I am joined with my husband, Dr. Lee Horine, and we are going to go over a topic that we directly talk about every two weeks in our office. We do a vital shift dinner talking about vitalism, what it means to live a vitalistic lifestyle. And it becomes very apparent as we're talking to our patients there, how it is very important to know how your mind can control your body and how your mind affects your body. Therefore, your thoughts affect your body and your health. And we go into that there realizing that that is such a novel concept for people. And in fact, we realize it is a novel concept worldwide and widespread. And so that's why I just am so excited to have this conversation and hear hear it from your voice, hear it from my voice on the mind-body connection. Yeah, I think it's more palatable for people to understand and people don't have as much resistance to thinking that, you know, if you think negative thoughts or, or let's put it in this perspective, if you're stressed, if you get stressed out, we all understand that the, like the, that when we're stressed because of a thought, you know, someone suddenly says, oh, by the way, you have to give a presentation in front of all of your, you know, your entire business right now, and you're unprepared and you're already afraid of talking in public anyways what is that thought initially going to do to you? The minute that you're told that you have to do this, you might uh, have your heart start beating faster just from the thought. Uh, You can start getting sweaty. You can start becoming faint. You can start getting upset stomach. Mm -hmm. All of these things, which are part of the stress response, can start to kick into gear. And that all stems from a thought. So I think it's very easy to kind of start this conversation from that point because people, it's not a far stretch to, to recognize that, oh my gosh, a stressful thought causes stress inside of the body is why we call it a stressful thought. If it was just held up in the head, then I don't think it would be as impactful to us. Right, right. Well, and then on top of that, so clearly what you just gave the example, the fact that, you know, the sweatiness and then, you mm-hmm. know, even for some people, I mean, they might feel like the like closing up of their throat where mm-hmm. they feel like, like they can't get their voice actually heard or like with the discomfort in the stomach, but also what is it doing to the muscles of your body as well? And in the case of us being chiropractors and holistic chiropractors, seeing people come in on a regular basis, complaining of pain, Mm -hmm. headaches, neck pain, back pain, sciatica, sharp shooting, numbness, tingling, right? And now we have to try to put it into their court, trying to let them know that their thoughts could be the creation of the pain that they're experiencing, right? Oh, absolutely. 
And so that's what I want to start to have a conversation around and unravel. Like the example you just said with thinking about doing, getting on stage and doing something that you're afraid of doing, that you have mm -hmm. fear of. What about with anger, anger in general? What about having um, strong conversations with your partner, or getting in a fight with your partner or getting um, in a fight with your children or having your children running around? What is that doing to your body? Could it be clenching up your shoulders where you feel like in you, you can hear the phrase of people saying, I feel like I carry my weight on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And they literally are carrying weight on their shoulders with their muscles continuously contracted or in this state, their muscles continuously like uh, scrunched together, they feel the tightness in their muscles and that becomes ongoing and it eventually becomes chronic, meaning that it starts to develop a pattern inside of their body and their body thinks that that's what you want it to be doing because of your thought of being angry, creating a reaction in your body of bringing the shoulders up to the ears, maybe not as that dramatic as what I'm describing, but feeling that tension where you just want to rub your hands along your the top of your shoulders, you squeeze it or you squeeze it up into your neck or into your head. And now that becomes a pattern in your body that gets turned into a feedback loop that anytime you start to experience anger, now that happens really quickly. And that's what ends up happening is the body becomes very good at doing it, whatever those thoughts are or at whatever it does most often. Yeah, there's a term for that in neuroscience and that's called neuroplasticity or plasticity for short. And that's where what you do most often or what your brain does most often, it basically creates these grooves, these patterns that make it a lot easier to do it again. So if you're constantly under stress or you have these emotions, that are comforting to you, even if you don't like them there, I say, instead of comforting to you, they are common to you. Mm -hmm. So if you're a person who gets uh, as easily fearful, or is e easily angry, or is easily anxious or depressed, even though those aren't states that we like to be in, if we're in them often, we our body patterns that and it becomes very easy to get flipped back into that state. So it's why the depressed person can have periods of time where they feel happy, mm -hmm. you know, and they feel excited, but very quickly they slip back into that pattern that they were in before. And it's because of neuroplasticity, the neurons in the brain actually are firing together and they're making different connections that make it easier to stay in that state than to be in, an, in a different state. And when you're looking at muscles, what, what you were talking about before, it's all tied into that because there are basically two sides of the nervous system. When you're talking about the automatic part side of the nervous system, it's called the autonomic nervous system, uh, the, the system the, that we don't have any control over. So like the, it's, it's the automatic functioning of the body, like telling our heart to beat, uh, making sure that we're breathing at a certain rhythm. It's making sure that uh, all of the chemicals in the body are being secreted at the right amount of proportions. All the stuff that we don't have to think about is part of the autonomic nervous system. And that's split into two different areas that we can think about it simplistically. One side of it is called the sympathetic nervous system, mm -hmm. and that's fight or flight. That is when you're stressed out. And really, you can look at it as anytime that you're exerting effort or activity that side of the nervous system is going to be kicked into gear. It's going to pump your heart faster. Your uh, blood vessels are going to constrict. Um, you're going to be able to use your muscles, uh, your, 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 your muscles, like your voluntary movement muscles, a lot better and more efficiently than you're going to need to digest your food. Because digestion, for instance, is now on the other side of the nervous system, which is the parasympathetic side of the nervous system. And that is in charge of rest and recovery, digestion, 
uh, the things that are there to help to repair the body and where we should spend the majority of our time, not all of our time, but the majority of our time should be in that, hey, we're not putting in effort, we're not putting in activity, we are recovering from the effort and activity that we put in. And if that system starts to get out of balance, it starts to cause problems, which I know we'll get into mm -hmm. later. But specifically, when we're talking about the muscles, the, the sympathetic side, which is the side of effort active activity, is flexor dominant. What that means is neurologically, that, that side of the nervous system, when activated, puts the body into your into a kind of a curled in position that makes you more prone to protect yourself if you're going to be in a fight, right? You're not going to want to open up your chest and you know expand yourself out and be as big and relaxed as you were if you were laying on a hammock on a beach or something mm -hmm. like that. Instead, you're going to want to like curl your shoulders forward. You're going to have like a hunch forward posture. You're going to be sort of protective. Uh, think of like a cowering type of a position, which is one that's going to protect your vital organs. It's going to protect your belly. So you're not going to be exposed. And all of that then flexes your biceps. It flexes your, your pec muscles. Um, it also then uh, contracts a lot of the, like the hip flexors. It really just puts a lot of stress and strain on these muscles. And if they get patterned, repeatedly because you're in this type of this uh, negative emotional pattern often then what now happens is that affects the spine because it's flexing the spine abnormally i mean it's, it's a normal range of motion but if it's out of sync with the extensor posturing which is the exact opposite that's part of the hey i'm relaxed i'm feeling good i'm, I'm like my shoulders and my chest are out uh, it's a very confident appearing posture looking posture because it's one that exudes health yeah and that absolutely affects the the spine it affects the muscles it affects uh and, and it does so very directly yeah. and so like we talked about if you're repeatedly doing the same thing over and over and over again meaning thinking the same types of thoughts that put you into that comfortable recognizable pattern for your body of anger fear um guilt guilt these negative emotions you're then also going to be affecting the muscles very directly through the autonomic nervous system uh being activated more on that sympathetic side which is also very dangerous and bad in the long long term right. for your for your health right and to build off of that i mean so beautiful gosh this can go into a whole nother conversation but bringing it back that's what we call that sympathetic dominance right mm -hmm. stress overload syndrome is actually a type of issue that we hear in mm -hmm. our world of holistic uh, chiropractic and in the medical world in, in general stress overload syndrome how many people experience stress everyone does and it's all of its major forms and they are associated with those different types of emotions of fear anger worry guilt doubt anxiousness right that mm -hmm. angst that we can feel and so that sympathetic drive is also that survival mechanism so yes as you were saying that it is very important for us to have more of a balance but we are definitely tipping the scale more in that sympathetic dominance which we're we need to have that survival but exactly that now we're getting wired into survival mode which is not thrival mode okay mm -hmm. we want to do more than just survive we want to thrive and so when we're in survival mode just like you were saying our body is not caring about 
regenerating tissue and recovering and rest and reproduction. So think about this in relation to people that are suffering from, you know, inability to conceive a child and infertility. Yeah, exactly. And infertility, um, menstrual issues. I'm just going on more specifically with women issues, menstruation issues. And also with, um, when you get, you think you're, you're reaching menopause state. Oh, I have all these hot flashes and it's all a dysregulation of hormonal imbalance, which is directly associated with the autonomic nervous system that controls those things, those natural body chemicals that you don't have to think about, but you actually are thinking about because you are experiencing these types of emotions on a regular basis and they're having an effect on your body. Mm -hmm. Now, the Stanford researcher, Robert Sapolsky, wrote a, a book titled Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And it was really pretty fascinating because he actually... The, the, the premise that he starts out is kind of a story that you're in the savanna and there's a zebra and the zebra is out there grazing on grass, enjoying his day. And all of a sudden a lion comes out and is, you know, goes on attack. Well, what's the zebra going to do? Well, it's going to stop eating and it's going to flee from the danger, the imminent danger of attack from the lion. Well, inside of the body, what is happening there is before when the, the zebra is grazing, before there's any threat, it's grazing and it's in parasympathetic activity. Its digestion is in full tilt. Uh, the immune system is there to repair things. It's there to help and to heal. Um, the blood is not having to go to all the big muscles. The blood can stay in the digestive tract and it can do things in order to heal. When the minute that there is imminent danger, the body says, well, I don't really care a whole lot if we digest this meal. You can crap your pants for all I care because we need to survive. So we're going to take the blood that was going to the digestive tract and instead we're going to move it into the big muscles or we're going to move it. You're going to change how your eyes uh, take in light so that you can uh, foveate better. And then you can also make sure that you don't, you don't get blindsided. So your peripheral vision changes you then now the zebra takes off. So all the heart rate starts to increase all these different physiological responses change. And one of the things that a zebra does not need to worry about is having sex. Nope. At that point, the sex hormones, not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. So in the sympathetic flight of survival, uh, that reproduction goes to the wayside. Yeah. So like what you're talking about, all these sex hormones, when we are under constant chronic stress, uh, the body doesn't care about reproduction. It says you're not in the time. This is not the time to, to it's, this is a dangerous place to be. This is not the time to bring in another, uh, another life right now that you have to take care of that needs to be, uh, that needs to be nurtured especially humans with the, the type of mammals that we are, we're, our kids are with us for 20 years, right? At least, you know, if nowadays it's like 30 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we got to make sure that if we're, that the, this, it's not a dangerous environment for them to come into or a stressful environment. So that's why we're seeing so many more infertility issues is because of the chronic stress that people are under that's putting them into that state where it's just, the body's just doing the right thing. It's trying to, it's just being like, Hey, this is not the time may not be what we want, right. you know, but it's what the body says, like it's responding to your environment the best that it can. Exactly. And I just want to go on that further is that I always want to emphasize your body is not trying to fail you. Your body is not failing you. Right. And that's like, we have this intelligence inside of our body. Mm -hmm. I mean, the spark of life where a sperm and an egg came together to create you, to create us to the, I mean, that's magical. And since when did we think that that magic that created us doesn't know how to allow us to enjoy and thrive in life, to allow, to function properly. And so exactly that is 
we're emphasizing the fact that your body's not trying to fail you. you you're not missing certain chemicals, i.e. hormones in your body. We have to take them from the outside in, which is what mainstream medicine leads you to believe that we're faulty, that we're born without certain things. Now, there are rare conditions where there that you are you do you are born with less than but it is so few compared to the many that are receiving so many pharmaceuticals and so many fake hormones even if it's bioidentical hormones i don't care when you put this fake chemistry man-made chemistry even if it's bioidentical in this case when you're putting chemistry or chemicals from the outside into your body your body will no longer think that it needs to produce it on its own because your body is efficient it's intelligent it's going to maximize the energy that it has it's going to maximize the performance and the functionality based on the information it's receiving mm -hmm. and so if the information it's receiving is in constant stress fight or flight then it's going to constantly be in that inflammatory reactionary process doing what it needs to do to help you survive. But if we don't teach our mind, teach our bodies what it needs to, to thrive, that survive should just be on default mode. Like we don't need to have it running at such a high pace and that tipping of the scale more in that sympathetic drive state, having more of that, oh, like you don't need to always be in the Zen state, but how can your body go through the day-to-day doing everything it needs to do, reacting when it needs to, but then more so being in that state of thriving and then living a vitalistic lifestyle that allows you to produce the normal chemistry that it does, to produce the normal hormones, right? For you to be able to have great energy, feel good. And then if you're feeling pain, then be able to listen to your body. Why are you feeling the pain versus I'm just going to go to the medicine cabinet and take something to shut it up? Mm -hmm. The key, the key really to all of that is resilience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our, our life, we tend to do a lot of different things. We, we like having different stressors on our plate. We like the, you know, running businesses. We like stretching ourselves, learning new things, putting ourselves in situations that are going to challenge us. And that inherently is a sympathetic activity mm -hmm. because you're an effort and activity like we talked about before. Now, how do we be able to function that where we say, well, if we do that, that's going to be destroying our bodies? Well, not necessarily, because again, it's a balance. So if we spend the majority of our time there and we don't have the ability to swing back to the parasympathetic side of resting and recovery, then over time, it's like a it's, it's like a draining the bank account. Let's say you have a thousand dollars in your account. And every time that you do effort and activity, that's taking money away from your bank account. Every time that you're doing rest and recovery, that's adding money to your bank account. Right. And that's kind of how you want to, to look at it. And you don't ever want to get into, you know, to down to zero. Your bank account gets to zero, really bad things start to happen. Right. And when you start, let's say, you know, giving below $400 in your account, then now you become really noticing problems inside of the body. So what you want to be doing is making sure that there's a balance. There might be a couple of days where you have to really grind it hard and you're pushing yourself, but you have to make sure that you have the ability to bounce back and, and uh, start adding money back into that account. Otherwise, you're going to go too low. And that is what we consider resilience. You want to make sure that you have the ability to come back after you have done all this effort and activity and you've been draining your bank account, do you have the do you have ways to deposit back into it? Because a lot of times we get so caught up in that trap that we don't have the when we've been you know stressed and go, 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 our account is getting drained. 
we don't even have the ability when we want to to calm down. You're like, hey, cool, I'm done, and now your mind doesn't shut off because you're at night. You're 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 on the couch trying to watch TV or something, or you're trying to go to sleep at night, and your mind is racing. Right. You can't fall asleep. You're like, oh my god, I need to go to sleep, but I can't right now. Um, and then you know, one thing leads to another, and you just can't shut off. That is when you have lost resilience. And the resilience is the capacity to basically swing from parasympathetic to sympathetic. So in the case of the zebra, when we're talking about with the, that we're using before, the zebra is munching on grass. All of a sudden it has to run away from the lion. It takes off, it escapes. And then within minutes after escaping, it is, it has resilience to be able to go right back in out of the stress response into the parasympathetic uh, activity of, okay, I'm safe. I'm cool. And it doesn't just stick get stuck in there. Right. Our thoughts as humans are different. You know, we would be chased by a tiger and be like, or a lion and be like, oh my God, I gotta like, I'm freaking out. Like I'm thinking that now everywhere there's going to be a, like a lion popping out. I got PTSD. I can't yeah. stop thinking about it. I'm so stressed. And of course, you know, that's an extreme situation, but what about the person who cuts you off in traffic? Right. What about your boss who, you know, brought up something that criticized your work and all of a sudden now you can't stop thinking about it. You're like, oh my God, like, am I going to get fired? Or on the flip side, like, well, F, F them, right. you know, screw that. That's a bunch of bullshit. Like yeah. I did a good job and you're like, and you're perseverating on this. Yep. So your thoughts keep you stuck and you don't even realize that it's happening, but you get you that, that threat leaves and you perseverate on it as though it's still there. Right. So you don't have good resilience. And that is something that is absolutely crucial to optimal health is making sure that we get into that, that, that state where we can bounce out of the stress response. Exactly. And the, the, one of the big things as we notice in the office is that people don't even recognize it though. It is so normal. It is so comfortable because mm, of the neuroplasticity. It is so normal and so common for them to always feel the tension in their shoulders, right? That they'll will often hear, oh, well, I didn't go to them, I didn't get a massage this, you know, this week. They have to go for their weekly massages or for their monthly massages, or oh, well, I didn't do XYZ. I didn't take my whatever supplement. Okay. It's because sure. it's, it's a new set point. Yes. They've created a new set point. They've gotten used to it. They've accommodated to that level of stress in their life. Exactly. And physiologically, cells will actually, receptors will, that normally respond to things like cortisol and adrenaline, because they're, they're always bathed in it, if, if, that, if that molecule lands on that receptor site, it's going to trigger a response inside of the body. Right. Well, what happens is when you're constantly bathed in that environment, your body says, you know what, we're going to start to remove or down regulate is what it's called, where we, we start to remove these little receptors from the surface of the cells, because otherwise they're going to get activated all the time. It's like some little kid who's ding, ding dong doorbell dead ditching you all the time. It's like constantly hitting your doorbell. The body goes, okay, this is just happening way too much. We're just going to remove the doorbell here. Yep. So that we don't even recognize the the alarm, it doesn't affect us the same way. So the same amount of stress that's coming in, the body will actually remove the alarm systems uh, and will, will be less reactive to it. It doesn't mean that the, the that the stimuli isn't still there, but it becomes less reactive to where you don't even recognize that it's even happening. Right. Your shoulders are up in your ears, and you go, I can't tell. Right. I feel totally relaxed. What do you mean? Like you do not look relaxed. You know. And all of a sudden they're like, Yeah, well, I'm totally relaxed. I think you you must be crazy. And it's like, I'm um, not stressed. Yeah, I'm not stressed at all. And all of a sudden, you know, you're like, you can feel it and you can sense it. And it's like, you just can't, they can't see it. No. Because you're in it and they've accommodated to it. Yes.
Yes. I wanted to emphasize that because we see it so often and we've all been guilty of it at some point in time and you may be guilty of it right now. And I just want to let you know that that can change and we need to reset your set point. We need to change and reset your version of normal. And that's what we want to say. We want to know that you can control it and, and it can start with the mind. And then of course, once you recognize it, then you can start removing things in your life that are no longer in alignment with the direction that you actually want to go in. Something I wanted to go back to in relation just quickly with, with the zebra that actually before it, it goes back to grazing after it's been chased and in that big cortisol reaction and it survives, it shakes it vigorously shakes and shakes its head. It shakes it off, which think about this. Whenever you become very anxious, you know, you start shaking and you're like, oh, I'm really, I'm anxious or I'm really fearful. And you start shaking. And, and most of us see that as a problem where we want to go to the medicine cabinet and take something because you're having a nervous reaction. Or you try to hide it. Or you try to hide it, it. Yeah. You try to hide it. Yeah, exactly. You try to hide it and you like try to clench yourself and like hold you down and, 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 that is your body's normal intelligence, having a physiological response, meaning a body response to help you shake off that adrenaline that you just had to use to survive. What's that movie with uh, Jason Statham? Uh, and he has to live off of adrenaline. Like if his heart rate drops below a certain threshold, he has like some sort of bomb inside of him that oh. will, that's going to like, or a poison vial that's going to wind up killing him. So he literally has to stay with his heart rate above a certain level. And he is, he's like getting straight pure adrenaline and having to inject it in, into oh my him. Gosh, yeah. And all of a sudden he's just like, ah! and he just starts like freaking out. And like, because the adrenaline has a response inside of the body, one that creates like a shaking, a trim, a tremoring type, like, oh my God, I have so much energy coursing through my body right, right now. And so to, to, to say that, oh, just take that adrenaline and stop that right just now. Just sit still, just sit still, don't move or anything like that. You know, it's like, you're not getting the opportunity to allow things to flood through your body. And it just leads into a whole nother situation. And, 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 you know, just going back to that, then like, if you, like, I just want to encourage you to allow your body to express the way it needs to express in this case, shake it off and allow yourself to go maybe into a rhythmic breathing quick mm -hmm. breathing meditation. You don't even have to call it a meditation, but a, a, a breathing technique. And really this is as simple as this. And we teach all of our patients this in our office before they get their adjustment is you breathe in through your nose and you're expanding through your stomach, not through your shoulders. We're so used to breathing up. Like when you take a deep breath in, people lift their shoulders. You should not be lifting your shoulders when you take a deep breath, but breathing in through the nose, expanding the stomach and bringing that in for at least three seconds holding it briefly at the top and then breathing out through the mouth, bringing the belly back in, back in. And the exhalation should be at least double of your inhalation. So it's easier to start with an inhale of breathing in for three, expanding through the stomach. So you should feel your belly getting big. This is where you want that. We call it the yogic breathing, the baby belly breathing, bringing the belly out, expanding the stomach there, and then exhaling it out for six. And just by starting to focus on the breath, it is starting to train you to get away from whatever it was that your mind was stuck on and to focus on you, just focus on you for a moment and focus on the breath and the power of what the breath can do to activate that parasympathetic nervous system. It's huge. It's powerful. It's absolutely huge. And I know there's, we're going to get into like discussing different meditation or we'll, we'll walk people through a meditation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they get the benefit of that and what that actually looks like. But it's important to recognize that when you are caught in an extreme flare of an emotion, the 
breathing technique is probably not the best thing to do. So you have to like, so if you're at the height of an emotion, you're in a, in a kind of like a conflict type of a situation with maybe, uh, and that can be simply just like a verbal argument with your spouse, uh, something that just totally triggered you. And you're kind of in that like shaky state, just sitting there and breathing is probably, it's going against the grain. You're trying to swim upstream. If you catch it early enough to where you're like, you're just starting to feel that way. Like you're the, the, the emotions are starting to bubble up, but they're not there. They haven't really taken over you a hundred percent. Then you can, you can a hundred percent do the breath work and jump into that. And, and you can pull yourself out of that with the breath work. If you're at that heightened emotional state, that's beyond where you're like, I'm not just catching this. This has taken hold of me. You have to actually physically move your body. Yes. You have to get up and move. You Remove have to walk from the situation. It's the, it's the shaking that you talked about. It's like <laughs> the shaking zebra, like, you know, or like our dog, when they get nervous, they yawn and then they start, you know, it starts to shake. They're, they're, they're moving their body. They're, they're getting that energy flowing through them. So you have to do that. You have to get up, you have to move, you have to, um, you know, just kind of walk outside, uh, do like a sprint or something, or kind of like jump around and just get like shake that energy out for a minute. And then that kind of like that grounds you, it gets you back to the present moment. And as long as you're not trying to fight it, you accept what you're feeling, you know, accept that this is not a bad emotion that you're experiencing. This is a, this is a part of a human experience. This is a normal emotion. Um, it's just got its full fist around your throat, you know, or a grip around your throat. Then now this is like, you just have to recognize when to use these different tools. But then after you start to calm down a little bit from that by moving, then that's where this breath work and this uh, more of this uh, acceptance and this meditative practice is heart brain coherence really comes in uh, to make a massive difference where you'll be able to catch what you're like these emotions sooner the next time and you get you're less likely to be provoked to a level that you can't cope with right so you just said some really crucial key points that that we introduce into our office and that we want to introduce to you, which is uh, building that inner resilience. And what does that actually mean? Building that inner resilience as far as you being able to, yes, we talk about it in the sense of the parasympathetic, but you being able to be proactive rather than just reactive. Mm-hmm. because we're building our ability to adapt to stress. What is our inner resilience? We're what? How are we able to respond? We know that we, we need to respond to stress, right? And then or we need to have the stress response. But what is your ability to go back and recover after, after that stressful event? Like the zebra, how is the zebra able to recover after that stressful event? Majority of us are not able to recover very well after a stressful event. And in fact, we have amazing technology now that we can detect through utilizing heart rate variability in order to measure your inner resilience, in order to measure your adaptability to stress and what it's like on on an ongoing basis. And we do that by utilizing, like I said, the objective measurements of heart rate variability that we can do in our office. And we do that with our patients. And whenever it's time, we start to talk about the importance of where you want that variability to be, because briefly talking about heart rate variability, most people think that you want your heart rate to be exactly the same. And you don't, you actually want it. Like we should, we're very adaptive as human beings. We are very adaptable people and we can adapt to negative chronic things, or we can change. We can also change. That's the beauty of being a human is that our mind 
can actually, we are the only, like, we are only mammals that are able to actually make ourselves sick (laughs) from a thought and Mm -hmm. from recurring thoughts and ongoing thoughts, chronic thoughts. But with that, we also have the power to change our body and our health by the way we think as well. So Mm -hmm. it can go the other way, but it's us learning how to capture that again. And knowing what your heart rate variability is gives you that objective measurement of, oh, I am way outside my ability to adapt to stress. My heart should be very adaptable. So it should be variable, hence why it's heart rate variability should be varying based on where you're at in your day and everything. And overall, it should have what we call a heart brain coherence, a a, a nice adaptable uh, score, so to say, depending upon what type of heart rate variability you utilize to measure that. But you can measure that and we can work on and use biofeedback as a means of training your mind and your body to link and recognizing it. And it's not easy. It's hard because it's a new and novel concept. And then we can even take that into heart brain coherence, which means exactly as it sounds, you're having your heart and your brain syncing up and linking up being in coherence, meaning they're in connection, they're in communication with one another to allow yourself to have control even after a very stressful event or even prior to what can be a stressful event that you don't go into that full on response because you're able to tune into your heart and use your heart as a mechanism of communication with your brain, because truly your heart has a more of a nervous network than what our brain does, which that's a whole nother conversation. I'd like us to get into at some point, not here. Yeah. Well, just, but just to touch on that is that your heart is actually sends more information to your brain than the other way around. So your brain is receiving information from your heart more than it's telling your heart what to do, which is different than other organs. It's usually the other way around. So like your liver, for instance, isn't giving your brain more information than your brain is giving the liver. Your heart is actually has sensory neurites, which are actually shown to have your own little neural network that actually holds onto memories. And uh, a lot of those are the emotional memories that we're experienced that we have experienced in our lifetime. And then it feeds that information to the brain on how to respond. So Mm -hmm. when we're dealing with emotional states and when you're, when you're getting heightened emotions, well, that is tapping into that, that neural network in your heart through these sensory neurites that are working on, on full tilt. And so in order to adapt and change and so that your brain doesn't link onto something because we've all had the experience where you're, you know, you're pissed off, you've had a bad day. And somebody else who has nothing to do with your bad day walks in and is like, Hey, uh, you know, want to go get a cup of coffee? And you're like, No, I don't want a cup of coffee. And you they're like, Oh, my God, fine. And all of a sudden, you're like, I can't believe you even asked me that that displaced aggression, right? you pass it off. And all of a sudden, this other person now becomes the focal point of your anger as to why you're angry. Sometimes you don't even know why you're just like, I'm just in a bad mood. And someone else now gets the brunt of it or another or or some other situation is now supposedly you're trying to blame why you're feeling a particular way on a situation and the situation had nothing to do with it. Um, But that's because your your mind is logically always trying to link up and make sense of the emotions that it's experiencing. And it can't just be you know, freely associated. It has to uh, we we're always looking to be like to define things. Oh, this is why I feel this way. So when we're dealing with heart brain coherence, we're actually retraining how our heart tells and communicates to our brain uh, from a 
higher level of emotional center and from a from a place of groundedness, we are repatterning how our body is synchronizing or our heart is synchronizing with our brain so that now we can start getting into a positive emotional states, rewiring and, and promoting those pathways that are actually improving and enhancing that connection to the brain in a positive way versus a negative way. Because we've mm-hmm. kind of been, we've bounced around and talked about a lot of powerful things with that neuroplasticity. Anytime you're dealing with neur- uh, neural networks in the body, plasticity is something that, that happens, mm-hmm. meaning as we talked about before, you get good at it. Yeah. So we want to make, make sure it more permanent. You can have negative emotions that you get really good at. And now we're knowing that the heart is communicating to the brain. Now we wanted you to get really good at having positive emotions that then also does the same thing. Cause you can have a good positive emotion, don't know why. Right. And then other people in other situations get to be the, you know, the beneficiaries of that. You know, they, they walk past like, Hey, you want a cup of coffee? And you're like, ah, oh, that was so nice of you. Like, man, you're so thoughtful to even think about me that way or whatever situation pops up, you go, Oh man, that is such an awesome, you know, wow, my life is awesome that that happened to me today. You now attribute it again, you take, you know, you take credit for it, but now you're taking credit for the positives. Whereas before you were taking credit for the negatives or other situations were taking credit for the negatives. And how can you reinforce that? And that is the power of getting into heart brain coherence that I would like to um, really bring wrap up this particular episode because I want us to go into other areas of mind body connection, which we'll talk about in the next episode and how it can happen from before you even recognized it. Right now we've talk, talked more about how our present time and we can be aware of how our present time consciousness is, is leading to this dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic, sympathetic, and then how we can use these heart rate, heart, heart rate variability to measure your adaptability to stress, your recovery from stress in this case, and then how we can use heart brain coherence in order to get you more in a more permanent recognition of how to get yourself and keep yourself in that what we call the positive emotional state. Um, And then just real quick on that, knowing that we truly our bodies don't know what emotions are positive or negative. It's our brain, you know, our consciousness that is labeling it as positive or negative. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do want to emphasize that a little bit, too, because there are people that have been able to wire what is what would be a negative, you know, seeming to the majority a negative emotion. And somehow it does not affect their body in the same way because they patterned it to become a positive benefit to their body. Right. So in this case, we want to, we want to create, we want to use emotions as a way to create benefit for our body, to improve our health, to increase our immune system, to increase our resilience. Right. Mm -hmm. So that way we can have more joy, more laughter, more fun, more and vitalism and, and live a vitalistic lifestyle in thrive, thrival mode versus survival mode. Right. Mm-hmm. So with that, I know because you have been leading our team in some heart brain coherence, I'd like to wrap up this episode by giving everyone the opportunity to have a little a little taste of what that's like. Okay. Um, so if if anything, for for those of you like if you if you're in a place where you can um, shut your eyes, you can shut your eyes. But if not, then just you can get back to this and we'll just do a what? Probably about like a five minute long. I'm just going to do a short five minute uh heart brain coherence meditation. Okay. And this is something that anybody can do at any time. 
it doesn't have to be guided. You can run this through yourself and we'll, we'll walk through it. Do you have a little bit of music? To, I do. Some chill music to put on. All right. We're going to have a little bit of chill music on. So this is your opportunity. So that way you can, you can set this and you can do this at any point in your day, anytime. We actually would recommend you doing it a couple times a day, at least twice a day, right? Yeah. The more frequently you can do it on shorter intervals, the better. So if you're doing it at least twice a day, that's a really fast way to repattern your nervous system. Yeah. So instead of going and doing a, you know, an hour long meditation session, the body actually responds better and makes faster changes if you do them for more often, but shorter, yeah. like shorter stints. All right. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's get that music going. All right. So I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes. You can take your hand and comfortably place it on your chest in whatever way feels comfortable to you. It can be the fingertips on your chest. It can be your whole hand. And what you're going to do is just going to focus on slowing down your breath. Inhale for four seconds. Exhale for eight. And if counting is a little cumbersome for you, just exhale a little bit longer than you're breathing in. Just want to slow down that breath. And just really tune into your breath. And I invite you to relax your shoulders a little bit more. In fact, what you can do is you can squeeze your shoulders up towards your ears, tense them up, tight, 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 and then just relax them. And you'll notice now that they're going to be a little bit more relaxed than they were before. Similarly, I want you to scrunch up your face, kind of make a frustrated face, scrunch up your eyes, scrunch up your forehead, scrunch up your mouth and then relax. Just relax your forehead a little bit more. Relax around your eyes, relax around your mouth. And just gently bring your attention back to your breath. And what I want you to do is I want you to Think of a time in your life where something just clicked for you. It could have been the first time that you were in school and a problem that you had suddenly clicked and you had that aha moment. It could be a time when you met the person that you knew that you were going to marry and that you fell in love with and you had that aha moment that this is what it feels like to be in love. Can be that aha moment of, oh, this is what it means to be a parent and how much you love your child. Just gently settle your attention back on that aha moment, that feeling of joy, how good that feels inside of your body. And while you're feeling that, I just want you to bring your awareness to your heart. Feel how good your heart feels. 
while carrying that emotion and that thought and that intention. Just remember to keep that breath nice and relaxed. Shoulders relaxed, face relaxed, muscles around your eyes relaxed. Feel how far inside of your body that emotion can swell, that aha moment, how good that feeling within your heart can feel. Do you feel it anywhere else inside of your chest? Maybe in your solar plexus region or in your belly, below your navel, into your legs. Does it go up into your head? Just gently Bring your awareness to where you feel it. Just keep your breath nice and relaxed. Now I want you to imagine that you can feel those feelings outside of your body. Imagine if they were just radiating off of your actual physical body and you actually had the ability to sense outside of your body. What does that feel like outside of your body? What's it feel like a few inches outside of your chest and the space around your body? Can you imagine what it feels like in the lotus position above your head? What's that space just above your head feel like? Just have a relaxed focus. If it's challenging to imagine it, you just let it go. This is just fun, this is just light. We're just using our imagination to imagine what it's like to feel things outside of our actual body. And I just want you to allow that feeling of that aha moment when that thing clicked for you. Imagine you can fill up the room with that feeling now. What color is it that's coming and filling up that room? Is it like a mist that fills it up, a colored mist? Is it more like a cloud? Does it fill the room up above you and around you? And imagine you became that mist. What, is it, what does that mist feel like? from that aha moment. Now oh, it's fun, isn't it? 
fun to just play with our imagination, connecting into our heart, channeling that up into the mind, repatterning how we feel our emotions and how we're connected to not only ourselves, but connected to everything around us. And when you're ready, we're just gonna bring ourselves back into the present moment. And you're gonna step into a new version of you. And whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and open your eyes. And if you follow along with us, this is something that can take practice and it does take practice. It'll, but this gentle awareness of not having to do something right is so important. It's so important to be able to play with this and get comfortable with experiencing deeper levels of emotions. And for some of you, it's going to be uh, more challenging than others. And so if you felt like that it was very hard to stay concentrated, it was very hard to uh, you know, to connect into this, that's okay. And then there's other of you, those of you who really connected deeply with this and felt like, you know, you went to a transcendent place very, very quickly. That just goes to show the power of the body. And I know we intended on doing this for five minutes. And I think we went a little bit uh, over mm -hmm. that time, maybe a little significantly over that time. Um, but this is this just goes to show you how quickly this can this can happen. You know, you can do this and you can really get lost in it very, very powerfully. And it's resetting all the emotional centers that you have inside of your body, not just in your heart, but it's repatterning how your heart is now communicating to your brain. So I want you to to take that with you as a tool that you can use uh, multiple times a day. Again, you don't have to go as long as we did here today. Uh, I was just feeling it and it felt so good. Mm -hmm. I know you were connecting in yeah. with it as well. And so this is, this is something though, that you can really just do even for three or four minutes of your time. Uh, but these are the, the, the simple methods that we can use to get into that heart brain coherence. And to use that, you know, throughout the day and over time, it becomes more patterned for how your day looks the interactions you have, the people you're surrounded by and how seemingly effortless and without any uh, pushing things can happen in your life. And we'll definitely expand upon that in a later episode. But with that being said, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you, my amazing husband and um, for being on here. And I think you're probably going to be sharing some time with us in future episodes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Definitely do that. Love it. So we're sending you all the love and an abundant health and vitality. Namaste. And we bid you well. 